The Tuffle Commute, Season 6, Episode 5, Classic, in which Sean and I discuss all the oldies and goodies in our profession. Hey, Sean. Hey, Lindsay. Oldies and goodies in our profession. That's us too, then, yeah? Oldies. <laughs> we, we are the classics of ELT. Yes. The oldies and goodies. I was trying to think in that introduction, you know, um, yeah, a classic. I, I, I guess a classic, like all the, the good old stuff, uh, um, books, activities, things that we would consider classics. Although before we get started, I guess I should probably do my shtick of like saying who we are and, and what this is about, right? Go on, do it. All right, so welcome everybody. If you're a first-time listener, you are listening to the Temple Commute. Um, I'm your host, Lindsay Clanfield. I'm joined by Sean Wilden. We are both English teachers and teacher trainers, and we do this podcast, uh, which is for English teachers, but it's not really about English language teaching, although the topic tends to come up. And it's probably going to come up today, right? As I was going to say, how, how do you avoid it coming up today? I like the fact that we've recorded 43 episodes of this, plus another whole series, plus another whole series of podcasts, and you got my name wrong. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's because I never hear your name. And Wilden. 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 I believe you actually called me Shan Wilden there, which is no, interesting. I, I know, because I think as, I, as it was coming out of my mouth, I suddenly had like a little, uh, you know, I made a, the classic mistake of <laughs> pausing. There you go. I'm see how I weave it back it's into right. the conversation. Uh, it's it's not right. as bad. It is. I could be called Ian. In, I know James, it's not as bad as that. Uh, th this, by the way, is in reference to when I started doing this podcast three years ago. Uh, our producer, James Taylor, I constantly referred to as Ian. Uh, and I have no idea why. Um, and that wasn't even, I couldn't even write that off as bad, badly pronounced. I think I'm just I'm just an oldie now, not a goodie even. You're not an oldie, not a goodie. Yeah. So classic. I found this very interesting because I thought when we when we were as we do before uh, before each season, and we're kind of thinking about what we're going to talk about uh, as the season unfolds. I thought this would be a a fairly easy episode in terms of uh, these must be classic. But the more I kind of prepared, was preparing, the more I started wondering um, what what would be the parameters of a classic so if i think of literature you've got dickens i guess we'd say it's a classic um uh, shakespeare is a classic but elt i mean um, my elt because of when i started work and how i am is one thing um and then are we classic methodology books or or whatever so i'll take for example i'll, I'll take a, as a delta trainer and a delta candidate many years ago that you're always told to read the classic richards and rogers which approaches to methodology yeah Lindsay? yes okay that's right I would also consider that as a teacher trainer. And if you are somebody who has done a diploma or Delta or indeed an MA or graduate studies in English language teaching, I'm sure you would all agree that like it or hate it, um, uh, Richards and Rogers approaches and its approaches and methods in language teaching, right? That's right, yeah. On its That's, fourth edition. That, that would be considered a classic. I think it's also, it earns the title classic because it gets kind of referred to as just 
Richards and Rogers. Like that's it. It's it's kind of got its own. Yeah, it's everybody knows, everyone knows, knows what, it what it is. We'll All come right. to other books like that. By the way, let's just rewind a bit. We're starting obviously on books, but I want to touch in this episode on other things that could be considered classic in our in our field. So Sorry, I'm just intrigued by the by the kind of the way my mind works. And I think we'd agree. I mean, we think when we get to activities, we'll probably agree more. I, and I, but I think it was because I went down the book route. I thought I don't, I just generally thought this would be easy, but then I started thinking, when does something become a classic you know and but i guess if you referred i like your definition of referring to it only by its author's name so richards and rogers in in, in that yeah or uh, other things might become classic if they're referred to as like the red book or you know the i don't know the blue one or something like that i'm not talking about a, a course book necessary but if everybody was referring to it by something other like it's a kind of a commonly uh, referred to to name i i think i also i suppose it depends on you know people's uh, how long you've been teaching, how long how, um, how long you've been around, because I suppose some things uh, are classic and then other more things that we consider modern are classic. I often think of this like as a slight detour. I think of this with music when I hear, you know, I still remember hearing someone say, oh, yes, the album Nevermind by um, Nirvana. Nirvana is a classic. And I was like, no, because that's really like recent. And someone said, no, it's around 30 years old. And I'm like, really? Really? I thought it was like, it feels like that was just yesterday. You know, so I, I consider that to be that to be maybe a modern classic. I would go as a stretch. I, I mean, I like rock music. So but 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 I suppose for someone who's 18 now or 19, that was like 20 years before they were born. So that is like the equivalent of of whatever it would the big famous album would have been 20 years before we were born like i don't know an elvis one or even earlier than that so so maybe yeah yeah fair enough where am i going with this sean where am i going with this i, I, don't, I don't know I'm, I'm intrigued to I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued that you're actually you're revealing all these sort of musical uh this musical side to, to yourself here but yes i think i i to, to weave it back to english language teaching i remember thinking about this because someone once said to me that they considered there's a macmillan uh, activity book called 700 classroom activities and they considered that to be a classic and i remember kind of sputtering saying that is not a classic i mean it's a great activity book but huh, not a classic i mean that's only and it's probably now what 15 years old or something like that so maybe for that teacher it was if it was the first book that they had their hands on and what really influenced them yeah i think i think again it goes back yeah that's true it goes back to what really influenced them or what or is it an age thing i remember i know one of the books you were going to come up to is an lg alexander book but i remember in my first job in 1991 in the library had some lg alexander books from about 1967 uh uh, um, they were on skills or uh, something into practice was if I remember rightly and I remember back then thinking just going back to your musical anecdote uh, there I think yes that's a classic because that's like before I was born and, yeah. um, and so, I think definitely L.G. Alexander who wrote many like grammar books kind of course books act, exercise books and stuff like that I think lots of his stuff would be considered classic I think of first things first but I'm sure other teachers would mention other books um, partly because they I think another thing that makes something a classic is also like how widely available it became or widely known within the profession. And I would definitely say that probably in the 60s, 70s and 80s, almost any language, many, many language classrooms 
would have had one of his books in there. Yeah, no? well, hence the fact, I guess, because I'm excited, obviously, just as the decade changed, the fact it still, still existed in that stuff room, I guess. But um, yeah. Okay, so books is hard. What about activities? Do we have other classic, okay. classic well, activities? Okay, I want to come, but let's come back. I want to come back to books because I want to know what you think your classics are yeah. uh, uh, we're, we're, we're relating to your teaching career. And I'll tell you mine. But we can do we can do activities now if you want. Shall we do a bit of activities then? Well, I think activity, we might agree easier on activities. Yeah, I think we we might agree okay so uh you'd say one i say one so you start what would you say is a classic elt activity that if you saw that in a classroom or if you said i'm going to do this today someone would say ah yes that's a classic uh find someone who uh, totally i totally agree i would almost say that that is probably i mean there's a few but i would say that's got to be right up there as like a number one is classic it, is, it, like is that, it defined then is it defined by the fact that if you say you know you said you're, you're you gave that really handy like the richards and rogers definition if they know we all know richards and rogers by the name so is it is it an activity if we say find someone who is it because in our mind we all know how it works without even having to think about how it works you mean like our we all have the the schema of like exactly yeah, we know right, like was a find someone who <laughs> find someone who are an F, FSW yeah yeah you don't you don't need to explain it unless you're a completely new teacher because it's an activity usually done on day one on a Celta course that's isn't true. it but that's uh, true I and it's always one as a teacher trainer that you do to illustrate a sort of like how everybody can be talking together with a task and everyone has to talk to everyone else yeah I guess I guess I guess that would make that. That would that would tie into our definition of a classic okay so that was your first one let me give you another one that i think is a classic again this is day one on a teacher training course and also day one for like novice teachers with a new class um they may have different names but throwing a ball or other kind of plush objects around and saying your name and something about you i'm sure you're like, i'm sure you're obsessed with that one because it's come up in so many episodes of the time oh it has I, I, it's like, I, see this is like classics that can be not good you know it always i mean classics in that sense it reminds me of um was it was it Mick Jagger? Wasn't there a quote about Mick Jagger in his 30s saying, "If at 73 years old I'm still si singing Satisfaction, I'm going to yeah. kill myself." Well, and he still he, is. He still is. Yeah. And I, I kind of think, you know, I think after a certain while, I'd be like, "If at 65 years old or 70 years old I'm still throwing a ball around and asking people's names, I'm going to kill like, myself." I don't, I don't think it's one of the. I mean, I haven't done it for a very long time. I don't think I do it anymore. I don't do it anymore. But I consider it a classic. I haven't done a beginner teacher training course for a while, but yeah, I wonder if I would bring it out on day one. But it's such a passionless activity. Here, throw. What's your name? Catch. I know. <laughs> I know. And there's always some jerk who throws it too hard at somebody else and you're always like like oh oh just be careful be careful and you and your class has already started off on the bad foot i don't know that maybe i just no. have <laughs> oh maybe okay, so, maybe uh, yeah no no i won't go down that route the ball toss for names okay. like it's a classic give me another uh, one well i'm gonna say because I, I really despise it um bingo oh I wouldn't have called that a classic one, but I guess you're right. Really? I know. I'm, I'm, I'm adding it now because it wasn't on the list that I know you're looking at. I'd, I'd add it under the definition that if I say what bingo is, people will know uh, what it is without having to uh, think about the activity, uh, think about the instructions, etc. Yeah, but I, I think it's I think it's a classic. Uh, I think it's a classic uh, in the sense of uh, like a uh, vocabulary vision or something. I suppose. Uh, yeah, those. I don't usually can go there in terms of vocabulary version classics as much as another one that's not on our list. But it, since we're going off list, I'd say like the back to the board or the hot seat or whatever you call oh, it. Hot seat, yeah. You know where where one person is sitting in front of the class and you write some words on the board and the others have to make them 
like they have to define them and they have to make the person guess that's where i always go is a classic one Okay, let me give you another classic activity from from the list then that I have. This is this is another one equally cringe making for me now. Um, the post-it notes, like who am I? Where you have post-it notes on your forehead. Uh, on your forehead? Oh, no, on the back. Oh, on the back. You put it on the back. Oh, wait. Is this a North American and British thing? Are British teachers, like, too nervous to do that? Is that too up in your space to get it on your forehead? I, I don't know. I've, I guess it's how you learn it, isn't it? I mean, I've always... In, in, I've played it at many a, a party with on my head. But, I mean, in the classroom, it's always been on the back. <laughs> I don't yeah, know why. I guess it's less intrusive, isn't it? You put it on the forehead. I still remember, though, I'm going to share a story of, of the first time I did this activity with some learners in Canada. I was teaching, um, it's a class for new Canadians, they're called. So these are recent like um, immigrants, refugees. And there was a guy from uh, Korea and another guy from, I want to say Vietnam, but I can't remember. And uh, the guy from Korea, like the guy, the they were both older men. And um, we were playing this game with the post-it notes. And the, uh, the Vietnam Vietnamese guy had on his head duck. Um, duck, you know that that was the animal. He he had to, the he had to guess that he was a duck, but his memory was failing, and so he like you know you ask lots of questions, and halfway through he'd forget the questions that he asked, and he'd be asking the same questions again. And as a novice teacher, I was still stuck in that thing like until everyone has guessed correctly, we don't finish. <laughs> we're we're you know, not like, finishing I was, like, this game. Right? Not, like I wasn't reading the room, you know, and everyone's yeah. getting like people are getting more and more frustrated. You know, they're, they're, this was before we had cell phones because. Otherwise, they'd been checking their cell phones for sure. But they were they were seeing there were a couple of Argentinians as well in the class. It was only like five or six of us. I can imagine and, their deep size. Yeah, like. deep size, and everyone's like this. And the, the and so finally, the Korean guy, like he's asked these questions, and we're always waiting for him to make his question, and it was like really labored and painful. And finally, the Korean guy gets really frustrated at this Vietnamese old guy, and he says, "Okay, people eat." In your country, people eat it, and it's very expensive. And the Vietnamese guy suddenly, his eyes light up. He goes, I am dog. I am dog. And the Argentinians start screaming, oh, no, God. And I, it just all went downhill from there. Yeah, that that, that, that story was almost as the uh, stickers on the back or on the head there. The, the, I know, that was... I know. See, I still haven't learned. I still drag things out. I oh, know, drag things out as long as, long as, uh, long as you can. Oh, All right, give me <laughs> one more classic activity before we take a break. Um, I'm just wondering if it's an activity um, or is it a technique? Because I'm going to go for dictation because I feel that's classic. I feel that's one of the things in this case that people say, oh, you, you know, we're modern now. We don't do dictation. Yeah. Uh, but I quite like it. I, like, I quite like dictation. Okay, I would agree that dictation is classic in the negative sense of the word classic as well. But, right, but, but okay. the negative and positive. So negative for some, but then some people would reclaim it as positive. But do you think yeah, I love that's dictation. classic... ELT, English language teaching, because I would think that the running dictation is the classic ELT. Running dictation. Are we doing a Room 101 episode? Oh. <laughs> I know. See? See how many of the classic things you, you don't like? Yeah, but... no, I put it to Room 101, yeah. Um, okay, all right. Just, uh, let's change from dictation. I'll come back to running dictation in a moment. But, but okay, drilling then, because I think drilling oh, okay. is a classic technique. I'm just, yeah. I'm, again, I'm, I'm, I'm testing the boundaries. Maybe our audience can help us with what we mean by classic. But I'd say the classic is that the drilling is often, often, often overlooked because it's kind of old, old technique, but it's a classic thing to do and a, a very good thing to do. In my opinion. Yeah. Yep. I would definitely agree. 
So let's review which ones we agree are classics. And we'd say we both agree that dictation could be considered classic technique. Yeah. Find someone who is a classic like, activity. Yeah, that's definitely classic. Baltas. Yeah, I was I was thinking of while you were telling your story of your career, I was thinking of combining Baltas with duck on your head. That'd be quite a good way of teaching him duck, wouldn't it? It's <laughs> <laughs> just sorry. Okay, let's take a break, shall we? Yes, why not? I tell you what. Uh, since we're talking classic, let's bring back a classic segment that we haven't done Ooh. for a few seasons. Okay, it, did, it doesn't mean getting James on microphone though. All right, what seg what segment are we talking about? A classic segment. A Go classic on. segment. Did you not? Did you not listen to the birthday episode where we talked about how uh. we'd forgotten about it? Anyway, without further ado, see if this see if you remember this, um, Lindsay. Here's Jargon Buster. Silence. Now that's a strange topic for an audio-only medium. The 20th century novelist, poet, playwright and psychiatrist Paul Goodman identified eight different types of silence. There's the dumb silence of slumber or apathy, the sober silence that comes with a solemn face, the fertile silence of awareness, the alive silence of alert perception, the silence of listening to another speak, the noisy silence of resentment and self-recrimination, the baffled silence, and the silence of peaceful accord with other persons, or my favourite, communion with the cosmos. So, silence is more complicated than you think, and especially for us teachers, because it's a thing that seems to make us feel uncomfortable, especially towards the beginning of our careers which explains the importance of the acronym we will be looking at in today's Jargon Buster. An acronym that every one of us would have heard at some point, especially in our initial teacher training courses. And undoubtedly, it's a classic of ELT. That acronym is, of course, TTT. On the off chance that you've never heard of it, well, TTT stands for teacher talking time, which unlike many ELT acronyms, is pretty self-explanatory. Open any of the classic books of teacher training and you are guaranteed to find TTT in there somewhere. In How to Teach English, Harmer puts it right up at page four, making sure that it is one of the essential takeaways from the book. In Learning Teaching, Scrivener mentions it eight times goes back to it throughout the book, Harmer, again, in the practice of English language teaching, contrasts it with STT, student talking time, describing how the concern is to maximise STT. And this is reinforced by Scrivener again in classroom management techniques with a whole unit on reducing unnecessary teacher talk. So the message here seems loud and clear. Teachers talk too much and students don't talk enough. And while this may be true, I think it's worth considering what kind of talking is going on. Maybe the teacher engages one student in spontaneous conversation or leads a group discussion 
Maybe they offer hot correction during a productive activity or answer a student's question on language or on culture or on something completely irrelevant to the objectives of the lesson. Maybe the teacher explains a grammar point or how vocabulary is actually used in the real world. All these exchanges are potentially worthwhile in a lesson and equally there are times when they are inappropriate. There are times when a teacher spending a few minutes to make sure that his or her students really understand what is going on is very valuable. But if he or she doesn't know when to stop and continues rambling on for too long, it becomes a problem. Equally, we want our students to produce as much as possible. But if they overproduce and don't allow other students a chance, and we've all had those students, we'll have to step in and do something about it. All of these inputs and outputs need to be assessed in the same light. Are they justified? Is this the right time for this to be happening? And if yes, for how long? If no, what should I be doing instead? So when it comes to the often oversimplified matter of TTT, I'll leave the last word to Hugh Della, who wrote, I now find myself believing that actually, far from being something best avoided, TTT is really at the heart of good teaching. I also believe that if we are serious about improving the quality and quantity of our students talking, then TTT has a central role to play. Now this being the wonderful world of ELT, naturally TTT has another meaning, test teach, test. But that will have to wait for another time. Until then, this has been your Jargon Buster. We started off by talking about classics and we went first to books, didn't we? And then we kind of yeah. took a detour where we looked at what we thought were classic activities. I want to come back to books and I want, like, I guess this is a, is this, I, I, I wanted you to tell me what you think are the classic books in your mind, like off the top of your head. Um, but and again, I want to draw a distinction between classic books and like desert island books, because you might take like some books. To, we had our des desert island uh, feature on this podcast where we asked people what they would take to an island. Um, but I, I think classic books aren't exactly the same as that, although you may do that. But there are ones that you consider to be sort of everyone should know them. Um, and so we talked, for example, about L.G. Alexander uh, and Richards and Rogers. What other ones do you think are classics for you in your teaching career? In my teaching career, well, I mean, again, it depends on, I think, on the type of book. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll give you three. I'll give you three from the different categories. I would say, and this is where I duck, uh, that Headway is a classic, for example. Yeah. Uh, in, in the sense that it's a course book I used uh, way back in the 1990s, still using it. It's just a classic book. It you know, when you say, if you take your Richards and Rogers argument, if you say headway, it, 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 people understand what that book is uh, and what it is. That's I true. think it's classic in that sense. Do you, uh, think that, do you think that people are changing on that? Because uh, do you think as, it, as it, it's been around so long, are there people that might not know? Like I'm thinking younger teachers now are more familiar, for example, with English file. Let's 
possibly. But what I found, what I found, when, what I found with many teachers is that they, that especially uh, if they're a non, if they learnt English, so if they're a non-native English teacher, they actually learnt learn their English from Headway, and now they're teaching from Headway. So I don't know if I think the English That's teachers true. know it from, but from a different way. Yeah, and I, I want to say, yeah, they are. But I still think it's. I mean, it's still clearly a best-selling book, and it's still uh, they're still making new editions of it. So there must be, you know, it yeah. must be used by quite a lot. So um, I. I know it's difficult because we're, now we're in course books. Do you go through the? Um, you said at the beginning we were at the beginning of the episode, we're talking about ones that um, kind of they're influenced by my teaching. I think if I'd started teaching, let's say um, five six years earlier, then yeah. I might have been talking about um, uh, Swan, uh, streamline or Swan's English uh, Cambridge yeah. English course. You know, because they they are the, from that era of when you started Classics, teaching. Yeah. So so for me and. So so yeah, and I've used the Cambridge book, and I've used Streamline, and I think, but I think your age definitely defines it. But Headway for me is is one there, so I'll pick that one. Uh, okay, give uh, us two others. Uh, I'm gonna go again uh, because of uh, certainly the way I started teaching. I would say that uh, that Swan's Practical English Usage is a classic. Yeah. Okay. I agree. Concur. And I'm going to go a bit left field in, in the sense that I, because I spend, I guess I spend more time interacting with methodology books these days than, than most other things. I would, I'm going to go for uh, Lightbaum and Spaders, How Languages Are Learned, but it's also my Desert oh. Island book. So it is a yeah. bit of a trick, but that's 1996 yeah. first edition. So it's had a, it's time to bend, bend itself down. But again, it's one of those books is like, have you read Lightbaum and Spader? And you know what it, you know what the book is. So that's true. Yes. It's again, it's referred to by the author's names lightbound and spada and although lots of the people on courses that i that i that i do the training with they they call it late brown it's always misquoted as late brown uh, you know spada, i thought it was but... an, i've had the pleasure of of uh, of, of meeting uh, patsy on a number of occasions now and um yeah i thought her name was light brown originally yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. um um but there is one i've left off uh, there's another one i would say but i think it's on your list which is why i which i didn't choose it okay people are right. shouting well, at me why did i choose this uh because okay, i might I'm have chosen choose, some of these <laughs> i'm gonna choose three as well which which are classics for me um but i think for many teachers as well okay so i'm gonna go the first one is gonna be penny Ur's grammar practice activities now i i there's also she did one called five minute activities which i also think is a classic that like many teachers had um and and referred to i think grammar practice activities is more so because it's a methodology book with like kind of like generic activity descriptions for all the grammar points. And I remember at the time thinking it was such a lifesaver. You know, you just look up and there'd be an example of, of, a, of an activity according to the grammar point you want to teach. So that would be one. My second one is another grammar one. And it is, again, a kind of activity book. I don't know why my mind went to activity books, although I, I completely think you're right about the methodology ones. Um, and this was Grammar Games no, by Mario no, and Lucre. Yeah, no, I agree. That, that has to be there, yeah. I think that is that is an absolute classic in the sense there's there's so many like I was looking through it again today and I was thinking oh my gosh that activity which I hadn't done in years but it just feels like such a classic I think there are dicta glosses in there and there are the, the the grammar dominoes and the grammar snakes and ladders and, is it, and it's also, I think that I think that's the book that taught me about deleting the words off the you know you put the sentence on the board and you delete yeah. it think, yeah. yeah 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 uh no I'd agree there. I think I think I can even remember the I'm not looking at it I promise I'm not looking at it, but I think I can even remember it was like a poem. It's something like, darling, I love you. I love you so much. I fear if you do not love me, I may kill myself or something like that. And you started deleting words until it 
made new texts. Oh, it was wonderful. Marion Bad, I think it's called that one anyway uh, yeah sorry so i took you off track again i don't know we we, we, we were reminiscing a little bit uh grammar guys so, so grammar <laughs> games penny years book um uh, three was oh and the last one which i do think it, it it meets our criteria that we just um arbitrarily stated at the beginning of the of the podcast um and i would say that is another book that is not referred to by its title but either by its color or by its author's name and i'd say it's, it's red murphy, murphy. Have you got a copy of red murphy have you yeah. got a copy of blue murphy yeah red murphy or <laughs> yeah. blue murphy yeah. yeah red murphy or blue murphy and i think there is this there's, there's there's an atlantic divide on this because we asked on our facebook page for people to talk about classics and the first people that answered i think were north americans because the 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 equivalent of the murphy for many north americans was a blue book and a red book as well depending on the level by an author called betty azar and so they would just call it i think did, did they call it a betty azar do you have azar or do you have betty azar i don't know i i don't know that i would have to check back in with them i've seen a copy of the book but yeah teaching british english is never used as much uh, uh but it's the same it's the same uh it's the same kind of thing. Like it's it's a grammar rules and exercises book intended for students for self-study, but often used by teachers. Uh, well, for many teachers is where they kind of, they get their grammar knowledge from. Um, or it, it, some teachers use it as like a time filler in class or like for homework or as a as a consolidation. I mean, it's got some Yeah, I would have definitely, yeah. I knew, so, I knew you were going to say it, but otherwise I would have definitely had that as one of my uh, one of my three for sure. Oh, yeah, no, I, de I definitely think so. I remember hearing, um, well, the, I, this is like second or third hand, someone saying that they saw Raymond Murphy give a talk where he said, um, and again, this is a proof that the book is a classic, how many iterations and, and editions it's been through. He said, I am not a writer, I am a rewriter. <laughs> so it's like the same book just being done over and over again. A bit bit like our Mick Jagger and satisfaction thing. So <laughs> if I'm still writing present simple uh, adverbs of frequency activities at 75, I dot, dot, dot. Lindsay, before and we get into it, I suggest we just give the uh, audience a little break. I, why don't we do that? Hello, producer James here with a quick message to say thank you for listening to this, the seventh season of the Tefl Commute podcast. If you're interested in sponsoring this podcast, we'd love to hear from you. It's easy, just get in touch with us at our email address, tefelcommute at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Okay, back to the show. Right then, come on then. Uh, you, you're going to take me through what makes... Uh, this was from a collection of essay on classical literature. The Italian writer Italo Calvino asked, um, uh, made f things, uh, gave 14 criteria for what makes a classic. And I'm about to ask Sean, I'm going to read not all of these, but some of these criteria. And as a thought experiment, we're going to apply them to Raymond Murphy's English grammar in use or essential grammar in use, and then decide, does that make it a classic? Okay? Right. I'm ready. Um... Okay, number one, the classics are those books a bit about which you usually hear people saying, I'm rereading, never I'm reading. 
Well, you're not. I mean, uh, uh, is, is Murphy a book you read from cover to cover? No, <laughs> but no one says. I, they're always like, I'm going back into Murphy to check. Yeah, yeah I said, I'm going back to. Yeah, yeah. No, I, uh, I, I'm re-referring. I guess you'd say that, right? Going back to Murphy. You never go there. You're going back there. I would say yes, as long as long as we change, as long as we don't have to go by reading. If we mod, if we modify the re part of it, you yeah, would recheck. I'll just Murphy. recheck that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, we can disagree with some of these criteria. Some we may disagree with. Here, here's another one. Does this apply to English grammar and use? The classics are those books which constitute a treasured experience for those who have read and loved them, but they remain just as rich an experience for those who reserve the chance to read them when they are in the best condition to enjoy them. I'm going to disagree with that in terms of Murphy. <laughs> Do you think yet? Yeah, does anyone have a treasured experience with well, Murphy? Well, maybe well, they well, do. No, no, no. I think this is. I, I I'm, I'm maybe speaking. As a naive beginning teacher, Murphy served my life on more than one occasion. So maybe it does become a treasured experience for those who read and loved it. Yes, maybe. But as a teacher trader, no, no, no offense to the book, but as a teacher trader, and I, I'm so I got so sick of watching people uh, dish out an exercise from Murphy without realizing what I did or did. So it was definitely not treasured, and I became to became to hate the experience of seeing Murphy in use. So for me. Uh. No. All right. Okay. How about this one? A classic is a book which, even when we read it for the first time, gives the sense of rereading something we have read before. Ah, uh, well, that case, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Yeah, you kind of it just looks so familiar. You kind of think, yeah, I've seen this before. I've read this before. Okay. Oh, this one. This one, I think, probably could apply. Definitely. Listen to this. A classic is a work which constantly generates a cloud of critical discourse around it, but which always shakes the part off uh yes that, that's very true yeah. I mean, but no because murphy does always generate uh, especially in teacher training you know uh, oh yeah the it's just doing murphy like i, I don't want to teach grammar in just a murphy like yeah, yeah, way yeah, yeah. but it it just keeps going yeah all right um uh uh, your your classic is a book to which you cannot remain indifferent and which helps you define yourself in relation or even in opposition to it I think I will uh, refer you back to a statement I made probably about a minute ago, so <laughs> yes, which will prove exactly. that that is right. <laughs> exactly. I, I kind of, it's almost like I'd set you up for that one, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. no, but you're right. Yes. A classic is a work which persists as a background noise, even when a present that is totally incompatible with it holds sway. Well, again, that's very true. Yes. Yes. I think it's very interesting that um, despite, you know, changes in methodology since the first, I don't even know when the first uh, grammar and use came out, but it would pres I presume it came out before like task-based dogma um, uh, and, and maybe some other more um, less grammar, well, uh, less deductively grammar-led uh, methods um, became in vogue. Uh, it it still remains, even though you know it, it kind of survives uh, that and keeps going. It does. It really does. It really does. It, I just I just uh, does does a modern classic also have a Wikipedia page? Because I've just I was just looking to see when it was first published. Ah, first published in nineteen eighty five. Um, um, but it's got its own wiki page. You can't say that wow. about many ELT books, can you? So no, that's definitely true there you go well okay sean i'd love to know if the audience agree with any of the, what we've put on our list for this episode
And if you do want to comment, here's where you can find us. Uh, we are on Facebook at The Tuffle Commute. We're also on Twitter, Tuffle Commute, at Tuffle Commute. And you can find us at our website, which is www.tufflecommute.com. Or just in the three Ws. I know, or just... <laughs> <laughs> just tufflecommute.com. Um, I think we're coming to the end of an episode, but not just the end of an episode. It's the end of our season. It is it, the Sean? end of our season. I just uh, as we wrap up, remind people that we are also now on Spotify, so people don't even have to subscribe through an, uh, through iTunes anymore. They could just find us on Spotify uh, as well. That's right. Yeah. Uh, the 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 addition okay. of season seven to Spotify. That's uh, that was our happy news of the year. Yeah, end of another season. Just go fast, doesn't it, Lindsay? I know it does. It does. Well, we will be back again in uh, at the beginning of the school year, beginning in September. If your school year begins in September, around September or October is when we usually kick off another season. Uh, in the meantime, we'd like to wish all of you listeners the best uh, summer or winter, depending what hemisphere you're in. Uh, happy teaching, happy intensive courses, if that's what you're doing, teacher training, or just holidays, it right, was, Tom? It's quite a long list, isn't it? It's not for you, Not for though. you or you, because <laughs> yeah. of course we go into our busy period of, no. of life, uh, of exactly. teacher training. Exactly. But I look forward to dueling with you on a microphone again in the autumn, Lindsay. Sounds good. Thanks, everyone, for Thanks. listening. Thanks. Enjoy your summers or winters. Bye. As your commute is coming to an end, here's an activity you can take into class. In this episode, Lindsay asked Sean to consider what makes something a classic using questions by Italian writer Italo Calvino. You could ask your students to do the same thing. Firstly, ask them to make a list of films, books, TV shows or video games that they consider classics. Then give them Calvino's criteria to judge their choices. The students could then present their classics to the class and they can vote on if they agree or not. You can find the instructions for this and our other end of pod activities at our website, tufflecommute.com. You've been listening to The Tuffle Commute, an original podcast produced and presented by Lindsay Clanfield, Sean Wilden and James Taylor. Don't miss out on any episodes by subscribing to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or your podcast player of choice and by visiting us at tufflecommute.com.